The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. <coughs> Welcome to the Financial Focus Radio Show. Today, you'll hear the truth in wealth building from the team at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. The truth in wealth building knowledge is brought to you every week on the Financial Focus Radio Network. Hey, everyone out there in Radio Land, and thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Josh Nelly. Tyler Simonis will be absent here for the first half of the show, but for the second half of the show, he'll be joining us through the magic of digital radio. I hope everyone had a great week out there. Certainly been an, another exciting uh, week in markets. It always is, but here we are in the thick of earnings season. And of course, uh, the fiscal framework from the current administration was released on Thursday and a slew of economic data, including some relatively disappointing uh, GDP growth. I think market had already sort of discounted that reality, but uh, 2% uh, annualized growth in the quarter. And then some consumer spending uh, rose about 0.6% in September, but uh, personal incomes falling 1% last month. And that's driven by a 72% decline in unemployment insurance benefits, but a slight seven-tenths of a percentage increase in wages and benefits. So a bunch of economic data out there. Of course, earnings, which I'll touch on, uh, elaborate more on sex, uh, in segment two. But uh, markets finished, S&P 500 finished up the week uh, just over 1%. Fresh record highs on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. Uh, big tech reporting this week. So, again, we'll talk more about that in the second segment. But uh, outperformer in the week, of course, was the NASDAQ up 2.8%. Uh, small caps flat on the week. Uh, international stocks marginally lower, down about a quarter of a percent. Uh, emerging markets continuing the uh, underperformance of late with EM down 2.6% on the week. Uh, part of that attributable to a strong dollar. And, you know, again, the scenario playing out in China where uh, great story in the Financial Times this week. The founder of Evergrande is going to be on the hook uh, in terms of at least his personal fortune. Uh, just a small little thumb on the dike there of his... Seven billion, as the, as it relates to the three hundred billion in liabilities for Evergrande, but certainly a slowing in the Chinese property market, and uh, led to some action by the People's Bank of China. No tightening emerging from that central bank, uh, sort of at odds with the rest of uh, global central banks, maybe embarking on this tightening spree. But uh, turning over to the commodities complex, uh, oil down a dollar fifty on the week, finishing at eighty three thirty four a barrel, so a little bit of a retracement and. Uh, maybe subject to those larger-than-anticipated inventory builds uh, over in Cushing, of course, the distribution point for uh, oil throughout the United States. And gold uh, down 25 bucks on the week at 17.84 an ounce. Turning over to the bond market, uh, interesting action there. I'll talk about it more later this segment. But 10-year uh, yields finished about six basis points lower to finish the week at 1.56. Uh, 30-year yields follows, following 13 basis points to 1.95. And twos uh, up seven basis points to 49 bips. But uh, at least as it relates to, to the bond market, conventional wisdom would sort of allow you to think that 
if the bond market expects the Fed to hike, uh, yields are going to go up. The corollary is also true, which if the bond market reduces expectations of a Fed hike, uh, so yields would fall. But something's going on, and those patent those statements seem to be patently false. And uh, since basically since early October, the two and the thirty year have moved in opposite directions almost every single day. And I think what that's telling us is two things. And uh, the first one would be if the Fed blinks, and that's due to inflation and hikes early. They're going to slow growth, and so that logic could probably explain why when the market starts to price in a more hawkish Fed, uh, the long end of the yield curve is rallying rather than selling off. And I think the other thing it's telling us is that uh, a dovish Fed is dangerous for longer maturity bondholders, and so when the market starts to price in the reality that the Fed's unlikely to hike, the front end sees yields go lower, while the back end has yields move higher as investors realize that growth and inflation are possible and the Fed won't protect their real yields. So for the moment, explaining the move in the bond market is much more difficult than normal, I'd say, because a hawkish Fed does not translate to higher yields at the long end, which is really counterintuitive at one level, uh, but perfectly logical at another. And so, uh, you know, we're sort of sticking to the Fed script, which, uh, you know, I will toot our own here, horn here. But, uh, you know, this this is sort of playing out. And in initially the Fed, I think they disbelieve their own utterances. But, of course, they can't acknowledge this reality. But first they're going to say inflation's transitory. Then, you know, there's questions about how they measure it, maybe redefine it like they did in, in the 70s and 80s, uh, make some of it go away from a measurement standpoint. Sec third, they're going to acknowledge that uh, – it's transitory. And then say that finally that it's transitory, but instead reframe it as a multi-year average. And uh, and then finally, and are we almost there yet? But they're going to talk about the importance of multi-year averages instead of just, you know, this this transitory period that is being redefined and then decide that how hammering home how good inflation is to those who question why we even want it. And then they're going to either policy shift or uh, find more excuses to run it hot. Because remember this reality that all policymakers face. You know, you can't, and this is true, and it's been true for several hundred years now, but any country that's at a current account deficit like we do, meaning we buy more than we sell, uh, and has a debt-to-GDP ratio uh, in the triple digits, so greater than one, one year of annual output, uh, you have to inflate a deficit away. You don't really have a hope of paying it back. But, of course, uh, the strength of the dollar and you know, in today's globalized markets, uh, there could be a run on the dollar quite easily uh, by by the Fed sort of acknowledging that uh, they want to guide inflation higher. And that's why policymakers and uh, particularly those in the Federal Reserve are not going to acknowledge this reality. But, uh, you know, again, an actually inverted curve on the 20s and, and 30s uh, in Treasury market this week, which, you know, that's a pretty significant flattening of the yield curve, of course. Remember back in uh, 2019 when the yield curve inverted, uh, seemingly predicting <laughs> the recession of 2020, uh, but not necessarily uh, in anticipation of the coronavirus specifically. But uh, again, flattening of the curve, uh, we don't want to see it invert because that's typically predictive uh, of an earnings recession. And so, you know, we'll we'll talk about more earnings in the second segment. But uh you know, this week specifically, you know, the, the, the two biggest headline names, Apple and Amazon, reporting. Uh, and if, if weak earnings from some of the biggest names in the indices can't keep equities down, what can? And, you know, I, Tyler's not here, but he texted me uh, from the road uh, on, on Thursday evening and mentioned to me, you know, I think Friday's going to be a rough, rough day for markets. And 
I took the other side of that bet and I said, you know, the Tina trade, there is no alternative. Are investors really going to punish these names? Uh, and, you know, it's it's kind of mind-blowing because the, the market seems impervious to bad news at this point. And I think a lot of that is because of the reality in the fixed income market. And there just really is no alternative. And we're at the front, front lines of that. And it seems to be a relentless flow of cash from uh, other real assets and from checking accounts into uh, into investing accounts from uh, not only retail investors, but institutions are are faced with the same dilemma. You know, other economic data across across the board this week, uh, U.S. employment costs rose at the fastest pace on record in the third quarter. Um, I'm going to talk a lot more about that in later segments as well, because there seems to be a pretty uh, big dissonance between uh, corporate earnings reports, specifically McDonald's and another some of the other broad-based names that reported this week, and what they're seeing on the wage growth front and what the Bureau of Labor Statistics is reporting. And so I will highlight those discrepancies later. But also uh, the Fed's preferred measure of uh, inflation, the PCE, uh, out this week at 25-year highs. So, uh, you know, we're sort of in the thick of these inflationary pressures. Supply chain pressures don't seem to be abating. Uh, The question that we will discuss more later in the show is, How long is wage push inflation going to last? So uh, thanks for joining us here at Financial Focus Radio. Uh, As always, if you want to be part of the show, please give us a ring at 870-670-7117 or email us at info at northwestquadrantwealth.com. Next segment, we'll be talking about corporate earnings margins, which seems to be the focus of not only analysts, but uh, most of the earning calls going forward uh, here in the rest of the third quarter and whether or not we've reached peak growth. See you then. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, Group is stocked up and ready for winter with the pre-owned SUVs you want at below market prices. We just received over 30 different 2018 to 2019 four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive SUVs with more and more added daily in all years and models. And our easy financing options will get you into the SUV you want. Auto Network Group on Robo Lane behind Target and at angbend.com. About 100 years ago, Bend started up as a lumber town with mostly small wooden homes built to shelter the mill workers. Today, 
It's a bustling city of startups and established businesses with a tremendous variety of homes built to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle. For more than a half of that century, Duke Warner Realty has been here to help people buy and sell those homes. Family owned and operated since 1967, Duke Warner has a team of brokers who know the community and the market inside out. With many decades of expertise in the Central Oregon area, we're your friends and neighbors who believe that combining old-fashioned hard work with the newest technologies gives you the competitive edge. We'll walk you through the listings, the comps, the offers, the counteroffers, the inspections, the escrow, the close. Closing. We'll even walk you through the walkthrough until finally the celebration. So if you're ready to move now or anytime in the next hundred years, contact Duke Warner Realty because when it comes to real estate, you can't fake experience. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months I make 200 to 300 bucks. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code QUICK for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code QUICK for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code QUICK. Connect to the Financial Focus Radio Show on our social networks, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Listen to past shows, get our daily market blog, and keep up to date on market happenings. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter on our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Financial Focus Radio. I'm your host, Josh Benelli. My usual co-host, uh, Tyler Simonis, will be joining us for the second half of the show. Uh, join, he's with his son over in Las Vegas at a baseball showcase this week, so hopefully Finn's playing well. And I hope all of you out there are having a great weekend. Looking forward to the Duck and the Beaver game later today. So uh, I think that both teams are shaping up to have a great season, and it looks like it's going to be a wonderful civil year, civil war this year. I uh, can't wait for that one. But uh, before I dive into what I really wanted to talk about this show, which was earnings, margins, and uh, peak growth, uh, I wanted to highlight um, what the Senate Subcommittee on Finance and Banking has put forth and what's put part of the uh, framework and the Build Back Better agenda from the current administration uh, but a new plan, and our senator, Ron Wyden, is actually the chair of that subcommittee on finance. Um, this new new tax that's proposed, it looks like, and I think one of the reasons that the market sort of seems to be impervious to bad news, particularly this week when you have uh, some dismal earnings reports coming uh, from two of the largest index constituents, namely Apple and Amazon. But a new plan emerged this week to hit 700 billionaires like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, uh, CEOs of Tesla and the former CEO of Amazon uh, with a new tax on unrealized gains. And, you know, I think that uh, 
the supporters of this tax, namely Elizabeth Warren, uh, she framed it, you know, this is only going to be relevant for 700 people. How could anyone in their right mind uh, reasonably oppose this? Uh, and, you know, I think she did a really good job of framing it in that way. She talked about on, in a tweet uh, that, you know, the number of people that are going to be affected by this is actually less than the size of my graduate class, but uh, graduating class from high school. I think that, you know, I want to acknowledge the reality that inequality is one of the biggest problems we face as a country. And, you know, the ability of everyone out there to experience uh, upward social mobility and participate in the American dream is crucial to, you know, our success and the long-term dynamism of our economy itself. But, and we got to acknowledge, you know, regardless of what side of the political spectrum we are on, and we certainly try to keep this show uh, as, as apolitical as possible, but, uh, you know, that is a reality. It's difficult to, it's becoming increasingly difficult to experience so, upward social mobility and inequality. You know, the Gini coefficient and uh, labor share of national income is the lowest it's ever been, uh, you know, or hearkening back to uh, the Gilded Age. But, uh, you know, seizing people's wealth, particularly unrealized wealth, you know, this is not liquid cash. Uh, you know, this is the antithesis to pri- the protection of private property. And I think that by framing it in this way, oh, you know, these are, it's only affecting this certain limited number of people. How could you reasonably be opposed to it? It's missing the broader point, which, you know, we are increasingly engaged in the trilateral political, you know, the trilateral political struggle with not only the European Union, but chiefly our largest geopolitical rival, China. Um, our only remaining competitive advantage in this trilateral framework is our protection of personal property. And if you are a wealthy individual in the Far East, uh, you want to denominate your assets in dollars because, you know, you look at the situation of Jack Ma and Alibaba and, uh, you know, the founder of Evergrande, his name escapes me now, but they are literally all they have to do is say the wrong thing and their fortunes can evaporate or their role uh, in society is fundamentally changed. And uh, people are missing the big picture and misunderstanding the reality that, personal protection of private property. This is what distinguishes us uh, increasingly from our enemies. But, uh, you know, and I also want to highlight history. A lot of people don't even know what the 16th Amendment was. Uh, It was ratified in 1913. Uh, Less than 1% of people paid a 1% tax on net income. So selling a tax is only on the ultra-rich doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. And unrealized cap gains expands over time to hit anyone with assets and forcing liquidation and you know, you create all these unintended consequences, and the law of unintended consequences is a very powerful one, and it's it's like Moore's law. You just can't defeat it, and first they came for them, and Elon Musk is right. He tweeted, the second, once they run out of other people's money, they're coming for yours, and, uh, you know, this is a non-political show, but, uh, and I want to acknowledge the underpinnings of what they're trying to get at, but it's just not going to work, uh, and it's not a way that you... Uh, sort of fulfill our ambitions as Americans. But turning over to earnings, uh, you know, we've now seen uh, just under 280 S&P 500 companies reporting through Friday. Uh, So just over half, uh, 82% have hit above earnings estimate. S&P 500 earnings uh, growth uh, year on year has been just under 40%. So stellar earnings season, upside surprise uh, has been fairly significant. 15% revenue growth which is just really smashing expectations. Uh, what the focus is now shifting to is are we at peak growth and 
what's going to happen to margins. And that's kind of what I wanted to highlight today is we sort of as, and dig deeper into is what's going on underneath the surface and relay that into what I'll talk about uh, in my fourth segment today, which is sort of deflating your uh, inflation fears. But uh, one company that reported this week that touches every corner of the labor market geographically in this country and the world, for that matter, is McDonald's. Uh, the, their CEO on the earnings call conveyed that they're seeing 10% wage inflation year on year, which differs pretty materially from uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reporting uh, showing a seven-tenths of a percent increase in wages. Uh, Company-owned restaurant wages are up at McDonald's over 15%. Uh, I drove down 3rd Street this week. Uh, does not appear as if uh, those jobs are being filled at in excess of $18 an hour. And uh, I, I heard anecdotally this week that Fred Meyer here in Bend has actually reduced their operating hours by four hours because they're unable to fill those jobs. But the Atlanta Fed's wage growth tracker, which uses a three-month moving average, is reporting wage growth for hourly workers at less than 5%, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics is the same. So there's this huge dichotomy between official reporting and what we're hearing uh, on uh, on earnings calls. Commodity price increases seem to be less of a driver of future inflation uh, than wages, and that's sort of what we've been arguing on the show for a while, but uh, it's definitely something that we're seeing and uh, you know a good portion of our clients are small business owners and you know we are small business owners ourselves and I can report that wage push inflation is real and it's here to stay and uh, as I highlighted in the beginning of the show a lot of strange going on in the bond market uh, the last few weeks as the market seems to be increasingly pricing in either a over hawkish fed or, or the opposite but we shall find out, and that's the one reality of markets is that uh, expectations are rarely realized. But, you know, the question going forward over the next couple quarters, and it's specifically going to relate to margins, is are companies going to be able to pass on higher prices? Uh, it appears as if, you know, when you look at across the S&P 500, uh, margins continue to grow, but that's because so much earnings are weighted relative to tech, and tech just does not have the margin pressures uh, that uh, businesses that are more labor intensive are seeing. And I think that's probably one of the reasons you've seen the such a dramatic outperformance of the NASDAQ uh, this week being up over 2.8%. But I wanted to just highlight this segment and just talk about what's going on and uh, in earnings season. It's been a, a really interesting earnings season so far. Uh, please join us next segment, and thanks for listening to Financial Focus Radio. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, delivered right to your inbox. The short five- to six-minute video helps you keep up with the market trends. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com.
The most news, the most traffic, the most weather. FM 100.1 is News Talk 1110, KBND, Bend. Sixteen million years ago, Central Oregon was a vast volcanic wilderness. The elements of fire and lava changed our landscape and gave us a mysterious gift. Combining copper and molten minerals, labradorite feldspar was formed. Today, we know it as sunstone, the Oregon State Gem. Ranging in color from pale gold to peach, to hues of amber and teal green, Oregon sunstone is utterly unique in the world because much of it sparkles with microscopic copper crystals called schiller. Throughout the ages, sunstone has been used as a source of healing, treating ailments like ulcers and arthritis or fear of the dark. Stop by and see our Oregon Sunstone Jewelry, Satterley Jewelry Repair and Design Center on Instagram and on the corner of 5th and Fur in Redmond or at SatterleyJewelers.com. In today's expensive real estate market, it's easy to wind up paying too much for a place to live. That's why Alpine Meadows Townhomes is a smart move. They have washer dryers in the two and three bedroom units, designer kitchens that please, one, two or three bedrooms and approved pets allowed. They're more affordable than all those brand new townhomes. Google Alpine Meadows Townhomes on Northeast 6th and Bend. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. There's an easier place to find affordable housing in Bend. Discover Mountain Glen Apartments and make them your comfortable home. Mountain Glen Apartments are conveniently located with washers, dryers in their two and three bedroom units and designer kitchens. You can pay more, but you cannot get more value than at Mountain Glen Apartments on the corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road. To learn more, Google Mountain Glen Apartments. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. To shoot pediatric dentistry. Did you know pediatric dentists are the pediatricians of dentistry? Deschutes Pediatric Dentistry is a kid-friendly practice, making each dental visit a positive experience. Welcome our newest dentist, Dr. Campbell, to better serve you. Your kids will love Dr. Campbell and Deschutes Pediatric Dentistry in Redmond and in Bend. Deschutes Pediatric Dentistry. Hello, I'm Dr. Terry Mucha owner of Family Choice Urgent Care. When I opened my business in 2016, I had to make some um, tough and interesting decisions regarding what I would use for advertisement. And I realized that I do a lot of listening to radio, both in our car or at workplace. And I thought radio would be a great way to reach the community. Combined communication suite of radio, digital, and event marketing tools have been growing Central Oregon's bottom line for over 30 years. Schedule your free consultation at bendradio.com. Hey, this is DJ SuperSave with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code LOCK and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and 
use promo code LOCK to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code LOCK to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code LOCK. You're listening to Financial Focus Radio Show, where you get straightforward financial advice every week from the partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Remember, you can always listen to past shows by going to financialfocusradio.com or download our smartphone app today. Hey, everyone out there in Radio Land, thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. I'm your host, Josh Finelli. Hope everyone's having a great Halloween weekend. Kids are enjoying a better Halloween than last year, I hope. Um, looking forward to going uh, trick-or-treating with my two-and-a-half-year-old later. But um, it's definitely going to be a cold and wet one, so uh, bundle up. But looking forward to ski season for sure. Well, Oregon's top 10 valued commodities uh, for 2020 are out, uh, re- uh, as reported by the Oregon Department of Agriculture. And, and no surprise, again, uh, greenhouse and nursery took the top uh, spot raking in 1.2 billion almost. Um, this surprised me a little bit, uh, but thought it would be some berry-related commodity. But cattle and calves came in number two, uh, nearly 600 million in value. Hay was number three at uh, 569 million in value, and this was very surprising. But I guess not so surprising relative to the production of uh, Tillamook out there. But uh, 557 million dollars worth of milk. Another $458 million in grass seed for number five. Wheat came in at number six at $273 million. This was another big surprise for me, but potatoes were number seven at $216 million. Grapes and wine, which I for sure thought would be higher, uh, came in at number eight at $157 million. Rounding out the top ten, uh, cherry production was the ninth most valuable agricultural commodity in Oregon at $133 million in 2020. And number ten, uh, no surprise here. I thought this would be higher, actually, but hazelnuts uh, at 132 million. So uh, this show, uh, or this segment rather, I wanted to talk about uh, investing for income. This has been something uh, in our portfolio reviews lately that uh, Tyler and I have seen a ton of, um, and you know we are very staunch advocates for total return investing in you know what has been uh, a decade and a half now of the lowest interest rates we've ever seen. And, you know, from a 10,000-foot level, what we always try to convey uh, on the show and in individual client meetings is that we exist in a world where everyone is desperate for income. And uh, what that means is that you don't get adequately compensated relative to incremental risk. And, uh, you know, one glance at the bond market on our terminals every morning confirms that fact uh, you can take a ton of credit or duration risk, uh, duration risk in or time risk essentially in the in the fixed income market for very little additional compensation. And uh, you know the bonds, the lowest quality bonds that traditionally have a double digit yield, uh, yields are just off of all time all time lows and uh, sub four uh, percent time risk. 
Similarly, you know, the market, specifically in treasuries this week, it's been kind of crazy. It appears as if uh, they're, the bond market's pricing in some version of a policy mistake, uh, expecting the Fed to either hike too early and tank the prospects for future growth. Uh, that seems to be option one. But, you know, again, everyone, particularly retirees, are faced with this same dilemma. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not unusual. And it, this, the cold, hard reality is, is that rates have never been this low uh, with inflation this high. And I'll talk more in the next segment about what that means from a portfolio management standpoint and what you should specifically do about it, because it's very difficult. But uh, a lot of investors out there, and this is kind of what we've seen of late, is, you know, close-end funds have become a solution for what it appears to be a lot of advisors. And, uh, you know, they, they'll they tell their clients, and I've heard this refrain constantly, that uh, it doesn't, the overall fluctuation of the portfolio doesn't matter uh, because all you should concentrate is about the income that they generate. And as it relates specifically to closed-end funds, um, when closed-end funds report distributions, they conflate uh, you know, the distribution into what they call a dividend. And they're not really dividend in the conventional sense. It's, uh, it, that's just portfolio income that's given out as a capital gain distribution. Uh, and so it's just payments that they make to shareholders and regardless of the source of those monies and a lot of them are equity laden and so it's not tax efficient and you're holding in a taxable account they're not actually generating their duck in the form of income so in other words a closed-end fund that stashes its assets under a mattress then disperses five dollars out of every hundred that it possesses each year could and and no doubt it does report uh that it pays a five percent dividend but uh you know again i tell you and focus on the total return of an investment. I can't tell you how many client portfolios we've seen uh, over the last decade that were particularly laden with the most uh, debt-riddled security on earth, uh, a large telecom that <laughs> ultimately spawned all the baby bells. Uh, but you know, if you looked at the total return of these, some of these telecom names over time, uh, they were absolutely trounced uh, by the S&P 500. And the investor that takes a distribution, whether it's from the equity or fixed income side of their portfolio, and lets the compounding continue. Uh, and instead of focusing on dividend distributions, uh, has dramatically outperformed over time. And it's not close. You know, companies uh, that pay these enticing yields today uh, in a bid to get uh, equity holders to buy, buy their stock, uh, you know, think about the greatest compounders in the world and whether or not they've paid dividends. And I would put forth to you that, you know, formerly Jeff Bezos or, you know, even Elon Musk in today's environment or Warren Buffett are better at compounding capital than you are. And uh, this concentration and fixation on the payment of income and, you know, you look at the experience of a lot of master limited partnership investors uh, in the earlier half of the last, the, the noughties, the, the last decade, uh, those investors that concentrate on income and get enticed by these high yields in a world where yields are zero uh, are missing the point. And uh, it's, uh, we, we often liken it to picking up pennies or, you know, I heard David Tepper say last week, picking up nickels in front of a steamroller. And that's uh, concentrate on total return. Uh, many of the greatest businesses, as proven by their stock performance uh, over the last couple decades, have not and will not pay a dividend. 
And the reason for that is they continue to have uh, projects with positive net present value that they can invest in to further grow uh, their business instead of in lieu of paying it to you in the form of a distribution as a shareholder. Because remember what ultimately a dividend amounts to. It's a tacit acknowledgement by management that they don't have a project with positive net present value to invest in front of them. So in lieu of making an investment to grow their business, they are instead passing out income to you as a shareholder. And so, you know, we tell all of our clients to focus on the total return of an investment. And I have seen a lot of portfolios lately uh, that are just laden with closed-end funds, master limited partnerships, uh, telecoms, a lot of names that, you know, were put in there with the intention of generating dividend income over time. And, uh, you know, those investors at their peril sort of ignored the bottom line and concentrated on income. And this inflationary environment and those relatively fixed distributions have meant that, uh, you know, in the during this kind of time frame, there's a lot of stress relative to, you know, their ability to meet sort of their income and spending needs over time because they've seen uh, not a lot of growth in the bottom line of their portfolios because they've been concentrating on income and it's been okay, or at least not from a total return standpoint has it been good, but they haven't really been uh, punished to the extent they should have been because we've been in this sort of disinflationary time for uh, going on 20 years. But, uh, you know, you look back at the performance of a lot of these assets in uh, March 2020, you know, specifically in the closed-end fund universe. This is from uh, S&P 500 IQ. But uh, the average return, you know, they're down 20%. Uh, and so they almost participated in two-thirds of the equity correction. And uh, it's all but five of 157 uh, closed-end funds suffered double-digit losses uh, in that time. And so, again, concentrate on total return. When you're indexing, you can sell off a bit of you know, your, your equity position over time to generate income and meet that spending obligation and be dynamic with response to inflation. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. reason is different but when it's time to go shopping for a vehicle every kindle dealership in bend makes it easy with a fantastic selection of pre-owned vehicles no matter what you're looking for more mpgs or more towing capacity more room for the kids or more performance and luxury just for kicks 
Shop Kendall Toyota, Kendall Mercedes-Benz, Kendall Volkswagen, or Kendall Imports with Audi, BMW, and Porsche. You'll find the best inventory of pre-owned cars, trucks, imports, and SUVs we've had all year. Being family-owned, Kendall is serious about taking care of customers, which is why every pre-owned vehicle comes with Kendall's auto protection plan for your peace of mind. Every pre-owned vehicle comes with a three-day money-back guarantee, and qualified vehicles come with a 12-month, 12,000-mile service contract. Shop Kendall and shop a gigantic selection of the best pre-owned vehicles around. No matter what you need, no matter what the reason, stop by any location in Bend or get started online at KendallAutoOregon.com. Kendall, let's start something great. Hi, I'm John Bullock, Executive Director of the Redmond Proficiency Academy, and I'd like to invite you to consider what you need from your school. It's important to have access to your education wherever you are. We've created RPA Anywhere for just that purpose. Our students can combine on-site and distance learning to create a schedule that works for their individual needs. Maybe you need to get back up to speed academically, or maybe you're ready to push yourself and excel in college-style courses. Maybe you live outside Redmond. RPA contracts with Cascades East Transit so students can ride the bus to school. It's our pleasure to get you from where you are, geographically or academically, to where you want to be. With our mid-year transfer program, you can still make the most of this year's school experience while playing sports in your home district. We'll handle all the details. If RPA sounds like a good fit, visit rpacademy.org to apply. That's rpacademy.org. Freedom to be yourself, support to try new things, and guidance as you plan for your future. RPA, education as unique as you are. Fall is coming, and Finn and Fire in Redmond has been looking forward to it after a long, hot summer. They have the gear you need to move from the rivers and lakes to the trails and forests. Finn and Fire is the largest Sitka dealer on the West Coast. Sitka uses state-of-the-art technology and fabrics to make your valuable time in the woods more productive. Whether it's breathable base layers or insulation, Sitka makes gear for every kind of hunt. Italian-made crispy boots are getting rave reviews from hunters across Oregon. Crispy boots are in stock at Finn & Fire, and they have a great selection for men and women. Crispy uses Gore-Tex liners and Vibram soles, so you know they'll keep your feet dry and comfortable for those long days on the trail. Don't forget to pick up a new Benchmade hunting knife this year and check out one of the new Mystery Ranch backpacks. Finn & Fire, a fly shop unlike any other. Across from Safeway on Highway 97 in Redmond. joining financial focus radio show the truth and wealth building call the show anytime at 877-670-7117 we'll try to answer your question on the air in the following weeks now back to the team from northwest quadrant wealth management hey everyone out there thanks for spending part of your saturday with us on financial focus radio we certainly appreciate all of our listeners and we appreciate your call-ins and email questions even more so please do uh, email us at info at northwestquadrantwealth.com or call our office if you want us to have a look at your portfolio number there, 800-743-0988. We do love uh, doing portfolio reviews. It gives us a chance to see uh, what other advisors are doing and what you do-it-yourself retail investors are doing. And it's definitely uh, very informative to sort of see that uh, changing trajectory over time and see what's in vogue. And it's pretty consistent across a lot of portfolios, and that's one thing 
uh, that's seeing a lot of portfolios and the insight that it gives you. Uh, it's not even necessarily specific to one geographic region, but uh, please do give us a call, 800-743-0988. I'm your host, uh, Josh Finelli. My usual co-host, Tyler Simonis, is over in Las Vegas with his son participating in a Division One baseball showcase, so hopefully Finn's playing well in Nevada. But uh, a lot of bluster was made this week over Apple uh, losing its throne as the world's largest company by market capitalization. Uh, crazy to think that the market capitalization of over $2 trillion on intraday movement of tens of billions is larger than uh, many, you know, the vast majority of companies on earth. And it's uh, small price movements lead to dramatic num- changes in terms of market capitalization. Microsoft regained its crown uh, as the world's largest company by market capitalization. Uh, it last held that crown uh, back in the year 2000. Uh, Microsoft at the time was trading uh, in excess of 60 times earnings. They continued to grow earnings per share in the double digits uh, for over 10 years, and they never reclaimed the previous valuation. I think it was 2015 uh, that they were finally able to get out of that. That harkens back to those nifty 50 stocks of the early 1970s that were all going to be the businesses of the future and traded at valuations that were instructive of that fact. But uh, and McDonald's is another great example. They fulfilled those, uh, you know, they fulfilled expectations essentially, and they continued to grow earnings at a double-digit clip, uh, in some cases for decades. But they didn't reach those valuations for the same period of time because they were so richly valued. So certainly cautionary and instructive there. But uh, one of the anecdotes I wanted to highlight uh, was just how big uh, the U.S. technology sector is relative to the rest of the world. Uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers releases a list every year that just came out. But uh, the United States technology sector with a market capitalization in excess of $8 trillion, uh, that's more than double the entire market capitalization of European stocks. Uh, you know, Apple is about four and a half Germany's. Uh, and that just gives you an insight into the scale. Uh, the U.S. is home to 59 of the world's top 100 firms and two-thirds of world's total market capitalization value. China, of course, coming in second, but uh, it is the scale of U.S. tech is just incomprehensible. And, uh, you know, another constituent, large constituent in the index this week that added hundreds of billions of market cap and became uh, the world, another, the, the next trillion-dollar company is, of course, Tesla. And uh, Elon Musk saw a $35 billion addition to his unrealized capital gains in one day, which is just sort of, I mean, the scale is just mind-boggling. But uh, what I really wanted to highlight uh, on this show in a week that uh, the Fed's preferred measure of PC uh, of inflation came out, the Personal Consumption's Expenditures Index, it rose a 3.6% uh, rate in September. Remember, the Fed's average uh, inflation target's 2%. This is the highest PCE rating uh, we have seen in 25 years and, you know, younger investors have never lived through an inflationary period, barring, you know, the early 2000s, which they didn't really have investable assets then. So it wasn't something that necessarily impacted them. Of course, uh, all of our older listeners out there have lived through, you know, the 70s and the early 1980s, where uh, high single digit or low double digit inflation prints were not all that unusual. And it's certainly a time when 
a lot of uh, inane government policies were enacted, namely Nixon and, and instituting price controls in the early 1970s. And remember, the law of unintended consequences. Uh, I read some great article in Freight Waves this week uh, highlighting some of the administration's efforts to impose what they called hyper-demurrage uh, on containers and how it was actually going to exacerbate uh, issues with uh, the freight expediting going on and, and the ports on the West Coast. And so remember, government intervention is not necessarily the solution. Let the market work. But one, the thing I wanted to talk about on this, uh, this particular segment is deflating your inflation fears. You know, particularly if you're a retiree and you're on relatively fixed incomes, inflation is your nemesis. And of course, uh, our industry, the financial services industry, uh, devises products uh, in 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 light of the perception of a need. And so, of course, uh, you know you've seen a definite resurgence in uh, you know p- people uh, hawking and peddling protection, whether it's gold, uh, cryptocurrencies, specifically value or energy stocks, commodities, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, fear is always going to be the greatest investing philosophy for the people that sell it. And so what I would tell you as an investor, remember indexing and specifically being very deliberate about your asset allocation and uh, whether or not you own a total market index or uh, you want to break it out and have more compartmentalized exposure to particular asset classes. It's important to know what's done well in uh, in years with, with high inflation and a small cap value uh, historically from 1927 to 2020 has been the best asset class as it relates to protection uh, against inflation. You can drill under the surface, figure out the you know the sectors and sort of what's led to outperformance there. Large cap value has been the second best performing asset class as it relates to protection against inflation. You look, gold uh, has actually not been uh, historically a very good. Uh, barometer or protector against inflation. Uh, it's you know down again almost seven percent uh, this year. Even as inflation, you know we've seen CPI prints uh, in excess of five point four percent. But and of course uh, the cryptocurrency community is arguing that Bitcoin and uh, you know its alternatives within that space are an inflation hedge, and that's certainly been a very powerful narrative as it relates to you know the relentless purchase there. Uh, which it seems to be spreading, <laughs> but you you know you look you look at what works in inflationary environments, and there's this unavoidable trade off, and we talk about this so much with our clients. But uh, as with all things, there there's a push and pull, and to better protect your portfolio against inflation historically has meant uh, broaden broadening your ownership of small caps, and the inherent trade off. Uh, by doing that is increasing the variance of your returns and increasing the volatility of your portfolio. There is not another solution. Uh, the ownership of small caps leads to greater variance and thereby greater protection from inflationary pressures. But uh, conceptually, you have to prepare yourself for a greater degree of volatility and a greater variance in their subsequent returns. And that it's just there is no panacea and there is no you know, silver bullet, so to speak. And that's just the reality of asset allocation. And uh, for many people, what that means is, you know, accepting negative real returns on fixed income and accepting that, you know, you own money you're going to spend, uh, you're actually losing purchasing power uh, with that position. But uh, thanks for joining us. Again, if you want to be part of the show, 
Give us a call, 877-670-7117. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market trends. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com. 